Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your Favorite F Word. Today, we are tackling a little bit of a different angle, and we're bringing a subject that might be a little bit more relevant to other coaches in our space. However, we hope these takeaways um, and the conversations that we'll have today are going to be applicable for anyone, whether you are the client, you are the coach, or you are just someone interested in investing a little bit more time, getting to know your communication styles, getting a little bit more comfortable with personal attunement and grounding, because today we're going to talk about tough client conversations that might come up in coaching. Mm-hmm. So as coaches, I mean, I think we all got into this space because we wanted to help people. And it's really easy to get like super excited when clients are doing well, feeling really good and just like making the most of the program, seeing lots of progress, all that jazz. But in the certifications and in like our hype for getting into the industry, I don't think we really thought too much about like what happens when a client isn't happy, what happens when we have to have a difficult conversation and really navigate through something that's probably like filled with feelings on both sides. And how do you come to a place where you're able to hear your client? while also kind of like following your own boundaries and respecting your own needs. And it can be really, really complicated. Um, So in today's um, episode, we're going to go through maybe like four kind of topics that we see come up maybe the most often that feel like they're challenging. Um, These are things that we talk about in our coaching mentorship too. And these are like by far the biggest things that come up with clients. Um, And a bunch of our coaches have all said like, yes, these are definitely things that I could use support around. So that's what we decided to talk about today. So we'll go through expectations um, in terms of like clients. That's a big one in terms of getting like really grounded and both under the same kind of like understanding of what the expectations of the client are and of us as a coach. And aligning like the effort there so we'll talk about that we'll talk about setting boundaries as a coach and upholding them we'll talking about how to be aware of your scope of practice and what to do if things start to move out of that scope and finally talking about what we all love to talk about money and talking about how to handle conversations about finances or costs with clients Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, we hope to just give a little bit more insight about like the ways in which we hold ourselves in these conversations and different ideas about how to navigate that with your client. Yeah. And also just acknowledge that like coaching isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Like this shit is hard sometimes. And these conversations are really, really uncomfortable. And like Nicholas said, when we are going through our certifications or looking at investing in business coaches and stuff like that. A, these types of conversations aren't talked about, you know, it's all like, oh, 
be a coach and have your own freedom and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when they are often in like a conventional setting, when they are talked about, it's not from like a emotional feelings perspective. It's from a very structured business, making money, that kind of standpoint, you right? You the authority. Tell them yeah, what they want to hear. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it can be really challenging as nurturing empathic coaches who truly do want to help our clients, but also have an awareness of our own energy and our own boundaries and are really trying to like fight to like find that balance between it. So that's right. where, yeah, that's where we want to come from today. Um, we're not going to like give you some hard and fast strategies of like handling their objections and like, you know, do this thing. We're just going to have a conversation about like, okay, how does this feel? And what are some ways that we can kind of like work through that, that honors our own needs and also honors the client as a human. Yeah. Basically opening up the conversation because a lot of people again, get into this and don't have an outlet to talk about these things with. Um, and it can be really, really helpful just to get another coach's perspective. How would they handle it? Mm -hmm. And I think more often than not, it's not that we're coming from a place of authority, which is generally taught. It's that we're often like coming from a place of being really nurturing or going as far to be as to be people pleasers, where we're just like, so trying to do whatever the client wants, sometimes mm -hmm. at the expense of our own needs and boundaries. So yeah, I guess today's goal is just to kind of make room for that in between space and helping you feel confident, acknowledging your own needs and meeting the client where they are as well mm -hmm. and how kind of complicated that can be. That middle ground, baby, <laughs> yeah. our, our favorite place. Okay. So why don't we start with expectations? Yeah. So this is, I think one that comes up the quickest in a client relationship and something we've learned to really handle at the beginning. So when we talk about expectations in this sense, generally what we're talking about is like the expectations a client has for their end result, whether that's weight loss, like losing a certain amount of weight, getting to a certain body fat percent, looking a certain way, feeling a certain way, what have you. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have body composition goals, but I think for clients that are in the weight loss or body composition realm, this conversation becomes a little bit more important mm -hmm. because we are not magicians. We cannot wave our magic wand and help that client get exactly where they want to be. And recognizing that so many factors, including the client's effort, are going to be big players in what the actual result can be. Mm -hmm. So we cannot promise a certain outcome, right? Um, and I think that that's where in the ways that we're like talking about it or marketing our coaching services, even if we're not explicitly promising an outcome, it can come across that like we are promising an outcome. So having the conversation with the client as they come into your space of, hey, do you have any expectations coming in um, and and really discussing like, okay, are those expectations realistic? Helping them understand that like a certain expectation is going to require a certain amount of effort, making sure that those two are aligned. Those types of conversations become very, very important um, to make sure that you're both on the same page um, and that the client isn't working towards something that you don't even know they're working towards. Right, or I mean, we preface this with like, this is something we believe that should be like a conversation that should be had at the very beginning of a client relationship, mm -hmm. but definitely will come up throughout. Um, 
but I think really acknowledging when you hear a client come in with an expectation that you are curious about in terms of being like a reasonable expectation. Mm -hmm. So weight loss and like specific weight numbers are usually like kind of a red flag for me when I hear someone being like, well, I need to lose 15 pounds. Um, and I mean, you see the person, maybe they don't even have 15 pounds to lose is mm-hmm. generally like what we see. And so having a really open conversation in the beginning about like, again, what does it really mean to lose that weight? Why is this the goal? And in no like way are we saying you need to shame the client or tell them that their goal isn't reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, it's more like asking questions to get a little bit more comfortable knowing their rationale for wanting this, thinking it's possible. And then having a conversation about like, what are they willing to do to make that happen and acknowledging the trade-offs or sacrifices that will come along the way to really just get a better sense of does their expectation align with their effort? Mm -hmm. Um, And if not, what are you going to be pointing out inside of that to kind of bring their awareness more to that next level? Mm -hmm. So if you do any sort of like onboarding call or have a conversation when you bring a client into your space, that would be a really, really great time to have this conversation. I will straight up ask the client, do you have expectations coming into this program? Do you have expectations around an outcome? Some other areas clients might have specific expectations is in the communication. So for example, a client might expect that if they miss a check-in, you're following up with them, right? Or if they are MIA, you are following up with them. Um, And so that can be another example, um, expectations in terms of communication. Um, So having that conversation in a face-to-face or an email or messaging of some sort can be really helpful. And then another strategy to kind of work through these is also having something that we've come to known or come to know as group agreements, um, which is a set of, it's not necessarily a contract. And I mean, you could include these in your contract, but it's a set of agreements that us as the coaches and the clients coming into our space kind of all agree on. Um, And we have one in there about expectations. So the clients receive these, it's just a Canva document when they sign up. And one of those is expectations. And it says, if you have expectations coming into the program, you will let your coach know. And then it's the client is agreeing to that. Um, and it kind of sets the stage for those conversations as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like things to consider in the initial phases of working with a client. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that in most cases, some concern about expectations will arise down the road. For sure. um, often it's out of like frustration with like, the timeline of progress or the rate of progress. And those conversations can sometimes come up out of the blue. It might be with a client who's like been feeling really good, saying they're feeling great in their workouts. Energy is high. Sleep is really great. They're managing stress and feeling like their relationship with food is like so much better. And then the next week it's like, I'm not making any progress. I'm not sure this is working for me. Mm -hmm. And being able to have a conversation like that can be I mean, really frustrating. It's, it can be jarring to read something like that when in your mind, the client has been doing so well. 
And so there's a lot of ways to frame those conversations and things to talk about inside that, whether it's reminding them of the non-scale um, indicators of progress, whether it's helping them reflect back on all of the different ways in which they have grown, talking about the science, um, the things that are maybe going on internally, connecting a few dots to other things they could start working on. But I think first and foremost, being able to take a step back and ground yourself before reacting is very, very helpful. I think mm -hmm. especially if we are people pleasers, especially if we are people who are kind of susceptible to taking things personally, that can feel like, uh, you're not a good enough coach. Right. And I've definitely felt that. And I think the biggest thing that's helped me show up as best as I can for that client is to not reply right away mm -hmm. and take a few minutes, take a day, whatever it, it needs to be for you in order to reflect and think first, what is the client experiencing right now? They're probably not pissed at you. They're probably not in a space where they're blaming you. They're just feeling uncomfortable about something. They're feeling upset about something. And so first and foremost, recognizing that it's not about you in this moment, it's fully about them mm -hmm. and being able to go through whatever process you need to, to set your own feelings aside to really meet that client mm -hmm. is I think one of the biggest things to take into consideration before responding. Yeah. And also asking questions you know, um, repeating things back. Um, so I hear, so what I'm picking up from this is this, or so this is what last week you said this, and now you're saying this, I'm taking that as this, right. And not making assumptions and really trying to ask questions so you can develop a better understanding of where that client is mm -hmm. at and what their expectations are. And then being able to, to make the correlation to whatever you need to correlate it to. Mm -hmm. so those would be those would be the big takeaways and expectations, I think. Yeah, I think maybe to just add one more thing on there is making sure that in those moments we're asking what they need to. Maybe it's not um, a big scenario where they're frustrated with their progress, but maybe it's like they're sharing something that feels hard to hold. And in that moment, it's really great to check like what are what is the client's expectations of me in this moment? Do they want feedback right now? Do they want me to simply hold space? Do they want me to share? You know, what mm -hmm. do they want? And so simply asking like, hey, how can I best support you right now is a great opportunity to understand their expectations and be able to more safely meet those. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So moving on to the second one boundaries. Um, so this is going to be relating to just setting boundaries around communication and just managing your overall energy inside of your coaching. Um, because we know as coaches, when we are playing a supportive role for others, it can be, um, emotionally difficult. It can be draining and, uh, we can easily get caught up in that and not, give ourselves the same support and the same space. So when it comes to managing our energy, setting boundaries is going to be very, very important. Um, so some things to consider in boundary setting is the type of the communication that you're offering to clients and where they can reach you. Um, so do you have one specific platform? Do you have a couple options for us? We like to ask our clients to not reach out to us on Instagram, or if they have our phone numbers in a personal text message with client concerns, um, that's a boundary that we like to set to protect those spaces. Um, so that is one example. 
Do you have anything to add to that one? Um, no, I mean, I think there, if boundaries aren't being respected, there's a conversation to be had. And I think it can be really simple, um, but easier said than done. It can feel hard to be like, Hey, I hear you, but also like, don't message me here. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, that's something that you could put in the group agreements or in the contract that like, Hey, I may or may not respond to you if it's out of, you know, X or Y platform. Yeah. Um, but let me know if that, like, if you don't like those platforms and then that can open up a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, a conversation we've had with individuals who work in a gym setting um, is having clients approach you at the gym when you're there for your workout. So that might be something you want to consider as well of just saying, Hey, this is my me time. Um, please don't, please don't approach me. Or if you are approaching me, like maybe ask for permission first. And if I'm in a space where I have capacity, we can have that conversation. Um, I made a, I said that like so harshly when we had this conversation with our group mentorship, hey, <laughs> don't like, approach me. do not approach, stand back. Uh, I was obviously like just being silly in that, but we do need to understand that like, that is a boundary there for lots mm-hmm. of us as coaches. That is like the couple hours a day where we get to kind of disconnect from this stuff. So considering that, um, can be something. I think too, when you're having that conversation, like, Hey, please respect this boundary. A lot of times if you frame it in a way that like makes sure the client recognizes that it's in their own benefit to respect those boundaries can be really helpful. So for instance, like in that gym setting, I might be mid-workout, I might be thinking about something else. And if I'm to respond to their question there, I'm probably not going to be as thoughtful, as intentional, Mm -hmm. um, or as impactful as maybe I could be if I was able to take my own space and respond in like a a manner that fit my schedule. Just like on Instagram, I'm not on Instagram to coach. I'm on Instagram for a lot of other reasons, but am I going to give like a really accurate and like intentional response there? probably not, especially if I'm like, oh, they're crossing my boundaries. Yeah. Right. Like, so I think framing it that way can be a lot easier for the client to be like, oh, okay, totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I've also never met a client that when I brought it up was like, oh, whatever, fuck your boundaries. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like they take it really well. Yeah. Um, another thing to consider with boundaries is just your availability, um, based on your energy and capacity. So that might look like having a certain response time response time can also go into expectations. Um, so if you, so for example, we have a 24 hour response time Monday to Friday, right. And we do not guarantee the 24 hour response time on the weekend as our own boundary. Um, I think a lot of coaches follow a similar suit, um, in that, but also if you've, if you've set that expectation with your client, there's, there's not room for them to like have a, have a different expectation, you know, um, or get upset if you're not responding right away or those types of things. So having those kind of communication boundaries can be really helpful. Um, and they don't need to look like that. Maybe, maybe you're taking two days off, not consecutively, or maybe, you don't feel you need those full two days off, or maybe you need a little bit longer response time because you work another job or something like that. There's no hard and fast rules there. It's really about what is going to honor your energy and capacity and allow you to show up as grounded and, um, well, yeah, grounded 
in your responses and be able to serve the client the best. Mm -hmm. And I think too, something that we're seeing and hearing a lot more of is, well, okay, so I have all these clients that have been working with me for a while, but what if I feel like I need to change my boundaries now? Is it fair to have clients who signed up for one thing now having to respect different boundaries? Right. And I think that can be a tough thing to grapple with. I know I have trouble being like, well, they have all these expectations now that we've agreed to. How do I just go and change them? But again, I think if we're looking at it from like, what is the benefit to the client? If I'm recognizing that I need more time to reply or I need an extra day where I may or may not um, check in, that's me recognizing that my energy is not enough. And if I'm still replying from a space of like low capacity, again, am I going to be really showing up as best as I can for my clients? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And so while it can be really hard to reset boundaries, I think that is definitely something available to you if you need to. For sure. And as you said, uh, wording it in the way that shows the client how much of a benefit it will be to them. Right. Like you care, we care a lot and that's why this is happening. It's not because we need more time away from you. It's because we need more time for us to better show up for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that can conclude boundaries. There's just a few things to think about there, Mm -hmm. Um, but why don't we move on to the uh, kind of scope of practice piece? Yeah. Scope of practice is tough because again, like depending on what background you have, what brought you into nutrition coaching, a lot of times it's a certification. And while maybe there's little bits here and there, but like what you can or cannot talk about, that doesn't always mean that your clients know that. And I think since the the industry is so highly unregulated, that scope looks different based on the coach, based on their background and their other skills and trainings. Mm-hmm. And so definitely this is something to bring up again in those like initial group agreements or in those initial conversations. But down the road, if you have a client who starts talking about something that feels like it's beyond what you are trained to hold, it's really, really important to recognize that and have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talk about like being trauma-informed, this definitely plays into that. Can we give some examples of those types of conversations? Um, I think the one of the big ones that would definitely come to surface for most of us as coaches is anything around eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that probably 99.9% of nutrition coaches have no, no certification in, or no, um, what word am I looking for? Training education. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we might, we might understand, we know what eating disorders are. We understand the different types, but our, our responsibility in terms of working with our clients through them is not, it's not our, it's not our role right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot going on there um, that we are not qualified to be talking about and that we could actually cause harm. Yes, for sure. Um, So that's a big one. Even if we have the best intentions. Exactly. We don't know, excuse me, what we're necessarily dealing with. Um, But I think part of our role of a good coach is to be able to recognize that and then help that client access a better support. For sure. Um, And you can still play a role in that person's 
like success and in their progress and in their goals, but recognizing that you're also leading them to a better support for that particular thing. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes um, that therapist or that other space holder will be willing to work with you too, so that you're coming to that client with a very holistic approach to their health um, and being able to integrate a few different modalities. Yeah, big time. Are there other examples of out of scope conversations? Um, I think a lot of things about mental health. Um, I think there's a lot of times when I've said like, hey, this is great and I'm happy to hold space for you, um, but I might not be able to advise. I might not be able to like share in this capacity. Do you have a therapist? I love therapy. You know, yeah. like, This might be a great thing to bring to them and then bring back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, recognizing like when things um, feel like you can't respond in a clear way, when things feel like messier when it feels like saying the wrong thing could cause harm those are all like big red flags to be like hey this probably is starting to go outside your scope Mm -hmm. but I think you can still be a human inside of that I don't think you need to say like hey I can't talk to you about this but I think it's really important that you recognize your privilege um, the power you have as a coach um, and the dynamic that you and your client have there so you're not necessarily directing suggesting prescribing but just simply holding space to listen I think is within your scope. Yeah. And you do that by just prefacing, as Nicola said, like, hey, this is not something that is within my scope or something that I'm trained to talk about. But as a human, not as your coach, I'm happy to have the conversation with you, hold space for it, be here and help, help you get, excuse me, get, get the support that you need. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that can be a tough one. I feel like, especially the past couple of years, those mm-hmm. boundaries, those that line has been very, very blurred because I mean, there's been so much more going on in terms of like our mental health and stuff. So that's something we need to be aware of. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe on like a smaller scale, some things that become out of scope are if clients come in with maybe like an autoimmune disorder that you're not necessarily know enough about to help them, or if they have something else health-related that, you know, would really impact what you're able to do nutrition-wise, and maybe you don't know. Um, That's a huge thing to recognize when it's out of your scope, or even things like when clients come in with goals that you've either like never worked with, um, or might feel like very complicated and require you to do extra trainings that might be something too where you're like ah this feels out of my scope right now and it's definitely okay to say like hey you know a different kind of coach might be better suited to help you I know when I first started I had some people inquire about like them being athletes and needing to cut weight for a meet and cutting weight is a really tricky thing because you're balancing so many different factors and Mm -hmm. you can cause some harm if you're cutting weight in an unhealthy way and so I move them over to a coach who like specialized in that because I wasn't comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are things to be aware of too. Um, Remembering that yes, like you have a scope as a nutrition coach, but you also have a scope personally. And so being able to recognize the difference and recognize both of those kind of like limits for yourself is super, super important. Mm -hmm. And it can be tough, especially if we're in a place financially where we feel like we need to take every client that presents itself to us. Um, it can be really tough to turn a client down or to refer them to someone else, but ultimately it's going to benefit you and it's going to benefit that client. 
So that's something that we really, really need to keep in mind when we are put in that situation where a client comes to us that has something else going on that we're not, um, that's not within our scope to work with, or that we've never worked with, or even that we don't like enjoy working with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things to consider as well. Oh, show. Okay. Should we move to the most fun one? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so conversations around finances, cost of programs, um, just like people, uh, their financial commitment in general, Um, so there's lots of situations that will come up if you have a minimum commitment and someone wants to be done before their minimum commitment is fulfilled, or if depending on how you're taking payment, a client just ghosts without, um, without paying, paying their coaching fees for that month or something like that. Um, those can be really, really difficult conversations to have. Um, and by far the, best way or a a very important piece. Yeah. (laughs) A very important piece, um, to kind of consider with this is to have a contract. I remember when I first started nutrition coaching, I didn't have a contract and the amount of clients who just like ghosted or, you know, uh, just like didn't pay, but like kept getting coaching. And then you have to be like, Hey, I've been coaching you for two months and you haven't paid or whatever. Um, so having a contract, would be, I think, our first kind of recommendation in terms of dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, so having a contract that specifically outlines the payment terms, the amount, um, any minimum commitment, a cancellation policy, those types of things uh, is going to be really, really important. Again, that's going to set the expectation for the client and also for yourself. Um, and it's going to be something that you can refer back to when those situations come up. Mm -hmm. Um, Something else we've seen is when a client asks for things inside of coaching that's not at their price point. So if you have like tiered coaching with we, which we do, where we have one option with more touch points, more communication and access to us at a higher price. And then we have one with um, less touch points essentially for Mm -hmm. a cheaper price. Um, But we've had clients in that lower price point ask for say like video calls or check-in calls, like on the phone, things like that, that are actually at the higher price point. Mm -hmm. And it can be tough saying like, Hey, yes, I'm willing to do that for you, but like, you have to pay more. Um, and there's definitely like different ways to handle that. But I think first and foremost, regardless of how you personally want to deal with that, again, taking that moment to recognize, like, what are you feeling towards that client in the moment? Are you reacting to that? Do you feel any resentment or feelings of frustration. Um, and then taking a moment to be like, where is the client coming from? Like, would, would this be beneficial? How do I want to respond again? Personally, attuning first before responding can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. In those situations too, it's going to be, there might be some give and take for us, um, depending Mm -hmm. on, depending on who the client is, how long they've been working with you. Um, their what overall the like is. yeah the the situation etc um so there is going to be there's always room for flexibility in that it doesn't need to be like hard and fast or black and white um but just again being aware of your energy your capacity um and also standing in your value as a coach as well mm-hmm. um it 
if we start to think about that kind of stuff too, it's not necessarily fair for a client to get the same services that someone else who's paying way more gets, you know? Um, So that's something to keep in mind. And that's something that our clients should also understand. Right. Um, So if you do have tiered, tiered pricing, um, being able to come back to that and just say like, okay, this is our other coaching package. If you want to go to that for a month or whatever, and we can take advantage and see if that's helpful, you know, that's maybe the conversation that you have there. Right. Or going back to your boundaries and just simply saying like, that's not something I offer, you know, for whatever reason, um, Mm -hmm. how can we kind of like mitigate this together? Yeah. Yeah. Those are definitely, definitely tough conversations, but lots of this stuff can be at least somewhat controlled, um, by having a contract with like some specific terms. And if we're talking contracts, some other things that you might want to consider putting in there is your scope of practice. You know, that's a great one. We have our scope of practice in our contract. You know, we are not therapists. We are not, um, like qualified with eating disorders, that type of stuff. Um, what else in the contract? Um, there's a lot about our boundaries, our time, our responses, um, what's required of the client in order to cancel the methods in which they need to go through all of those kind of like specific avenues, timelines, all of that is laid out, um, pretty explicitly multiple times in the contract just to make sure. Um, but something can be helpful is just like straight up going through the contract with the client too, is something that we're doing more and more often, um, if you're like me, you get a contract and you sign it and sometimes you don't read all the terms. Um, so we've had that a lot with clients too, like, oh, hey, I didn't realize this. Um, mm-hmm. So having a contract is great because it gives you something to refer to, something you've both agreed on. Um, but really the consent there um, can be developed a little bit more strongly if you are going through it with them together and highlighting mm-hmm. the points that um, maybe you've seen the most like concerns or questions about in the past. Mm-hmm. These conversations can be uncomfortable, but Brene Brown says clear is kind. <laughs> and does. I just feel like the more we can have these conversations up front and at the beginning and really kind of set the stage, it just creates a lot more open channels for communication, mm-hmm. less resentment, less misunderstanding. Um, and that ultimately benefits both sides of the relationship. So absolutely. Yeah. One other thing, um, if you have this option, which not every coach is going to have this, but this is something that we have been super grateful for is we have our VA handle most of the finances stuff. So she takes care of the contracts. If someone wants to cancel or has questions about their membership, they email her, Um, and that's allowed us to kind of step out of that and just be more in like the coaching role, um, which has been really valuable. Like I said, not everyone's going to have the option to delegate that, but if you do, that might be something to consider as a support as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So takeaways for today, I think first and foremost, understanding your needs when you're feeling like reactive to a client and being able to take the time to get grounded before responding is huge. Um, We all have feelings, all of those are valid, but in a coaching relationship, understanding that 
um, you will be put in situations that feel challenging and it's up to you as the coach, as a leader to be showing up in a way that's ultimately in support of the client and mm-hmm. whether or not that means um, taking more time to attune to and notice your own emotions, um, that's kind of up to you, but we definitely um, encourage you to have some sort of practice and build some awareness around that too. Mm-hmm. And wherever wherever we're at with our coaching business or in the process, these conversations are always going to be difficult, um, but they are part of our role um, and the ways in which we handle them say so much about our leadership um, and our abilities as a coach. So like Nicholas said, doing what you can to attune yourself and understanding that setting boundaries and taking time and um, taking care of your own energy and capacity, especially as a coach can feel selfish. Um, but ultimately it's benefiting the client as well. And I think that's something to really, really keep in mind, especially when we feel like we are, you know, being selfish, I guess is the word there that everyone will, um, relate to, but, um, ultimately it's benefiting everyone. So Mm -hmm. keep that in mind as well. Yep. We are in the people industry and when it comes to people, it's going to be complicated and messy and involve feelings. So making sure you're checking yours and responding versus reacting to your clients. Yeah. Okay. Do we have a fuck yes and fuck no for today? Okay. Here's mine. You're going to laugh. As we've talked about before on this podcast, um, I'm one of those people who really struggles to drink water. But damn, if I'm not making an effort, I am drinking so much fucking water and I feel great for it. Don't get me wrong. I feel much better, but I am peeing so bad. Like right now my bladder is full and I'm like, okay, the other day I got stuck downtown in traffic and I don't think I've ever been closer to peeing my pants without actually peeing my pants. Oh, yikes. It was horrible. And I get home and just like sprint to the bathroom and then it's just like, oh, it's terrible. I hate, I hate that. So currently dealing with the woes of drinking enough water. Going to the bathroom all the time. That's funny because when I was going to pelvic floor physio, um, I was struggling with that a lot. Like I was at the point where I couldn't get through like one hour of coaching class without going to the bathroom. And she literally put me on like a potty training schedule. (laughs) What? Basically she was, it was called bladder training, but it just reminded me of potty training. And so, um, I like started to have to build awareness of like how often I was going. And if I felt the urge to go, I was supposed to try to hold it. And if like, usually it would go away, like, can't you get a UTI from holding it? Yeah, I don't know. It, or a it was problem. Her thing was that when you get used to going all the time, your bladder thinks it's full when it's not actually full. Oh. And so she was trying to allow enough time for the bladder to fill a little bit more so that you didn't have to go all the time. Well, I'll Anyways. tell you, mine is full. Yeah. You know <laughs> this full. to be true. <laughs> That's so funny. But it's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, what's your, was that a fuck yes? That was kind of both. You go, yeah. you, you just fill in the blanks however you choose. Oh, I don't even know what's going on right now in life. So many things. Um, I don't think I've bragged about my office yet on the podcast and my office <laughs> is a huge fuck yes. I'm just like so obsessed with it. Um, 
I would say then the fuck yes on a broader spectrum is just like having an environment that you feel grounded in. Absolutely. Um, AKA a super spotless house. Yeah. Clean house, um, comfy space, the colors that you like, comforting like artwork or candles or trinkets. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That can be so, so helpful in just like our overall mental health, but also um, our ability to ground ourselves and show up inside of our coaching spaces too. Michelle. Mm-hmm. So that's my fuck. Yes. Thanks. Um, just before we end today, if you enjoyed the conversation that we had today and you are a nutrition coach, we do host a nutrition coach mentorship where we have a group of coaches. Um, there's a group aspect and a one-on-one aspect where We have lots of these conversations in group calls, but then we also have some one-to-one support to help you specifically with where you're at in your business, Um, whether that's more of the business side of things or navigating conversations like these, um, creating your programs, holding space for your clients, all that kind of stuff we talk about inside. So if you are someone who is interested in that, um, you can check out our website, paradigmnutrition.net or hit up the link in our Instagram bios at Nicholas Spencer at Sarah Cod fit or at paradigm nutrition underscore. And there's a little application form there. You can tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll reach out um, and have, have a conversation, chat about the program a little bit and see, see how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Little shameless plug at the end here. We've just really been enjoying the mentorship lately, like having the conversations, just having a space of individuals who are going through, I mean, we still have all of these struggles in our business, even years into it, um, but who kind of go through the same struggles, who are working towards just creating awesome supports for their clients. It's just so nice to have that space. And we absolutely just feel fucking fired up after after the calls with everyone in our mentorship right now. So yeah. Nicola's like, I have to fucking pee. Let's wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, like no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you all for being here and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.